0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network from the fifth quarter studios in madison wisconsin you're listening to coach unplugged and now your host steve collins Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm so happy you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shoe machine on the market. We own three of them, and I can tell you personally, even before they became sponsors, their customer service is second to none. you know, every time I've had any issues with any of my machines, going back to the way old ones, they've always taken really good care of me. Also go over and check out teachhoops.com. Oh, and mention uh mention us and they'll give you $450 off. Mention Coach Collins or Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $450 off. Also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, you know, we always tell our players that they should be working on. It. Their craft. I challenge you to work on your craft. Come over, join a community of like-minded coaches. Who want to make this game better? It's the reason I started teach hoops is to help pay the bills for all these podcasts, but even more importantly, to give back um, to this great game that has given me so much, um, and to set up a roadmap for you to be successful, not only on the court but off the court. And we offer a 14 day free trial, so come over and check kick the tires around, see if you like it, and uh, let's head off to the podcast all right welcome 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 to coach unplugged my voice is shot it's the middle of basketball season i apologize to all the listeners i would i would argue that it's cold season but you know i'm time i'm probably more me correcting them than than anything else um so coach i know you've been on why don't you why don't you tell the audience about you know where you've been and what you've been doing and kind of uh i don't want to call it a rewind episode but like. just kind of giving people, yeah, a snippet. And then we can talk about what we were just talking about before we came on the air about something that's maybe coming down the line. But I'm going to turn it over to you, and you can do that.
1: Yeah, definitely. We can call it a sequel episode or something like that, maybe. Yes, that, yes. That, yes. That would be great. Um, yeah, so last when we last spoke, I was just coming off of, uh, well, our organization was just coming off of being nominated for the Junior NBA Program of the Year. For, that was for 2021, before the 2020 season. So we had our first AAU season after all the lockdowns and the pandemic, and we were trying to implement some mental health uh, aspects into the practices and game preparation. Uh, and so we did that. Uh, we didn't win uh, the junior NBA program of the year, but the nomination was enough for us to know that we were on the right track. And so... I myself, I got involved with the neurosequential model. That's who we modeled our program after the neurosequential model of therapeutics uh, by neuroscientists and uh, psychiatrists, doctor by the name of Dr. Bruce Perry. And so uh, when we implemented his and the junior NBA recognized this, they brought me into their... uh, cohort, their very first cohort for certifying coaches in the neurosequential model. Prior to that, it was only for uh, educators and actual therapists uh, dealing with kids who had trauma or had been through some traumatic experiences. And so uh, we got involved with the neurosequential model in sport, uh, got certified, I became a mentor. So now I help coaches actually become certified in the neurosequential model of sport, uh, understanding how the brain works, uh, how that relates to their players, how that relates to their players' emotions, and some of the things that some athletes have been through prior to coming to you, or also dealing with things that they uh that they've gone through with you, such as injuries or death in the families, or what we all saw when uh the guy on Monday night, dark Damar uh Hamlin uh situation. And so uh being able to help Athletes get through those moments, your staff get through those moments, yourself get through those moments, knowing what's normal for traumatic experiences uh, to happen and the best ways of recovering from that, uh, the best ways of dealing with that before there's a recovery. So, like, there's relief, uh, then recovery. And so, all those things that involve mental health and how sports can be a healing modality for it and that's where we're going into uh at this point like how to use sport as as a treatment for a mental health situations.
0: so what would be what would be a couple things that you could share that you've learned with the audience that you okay know, specific uh, specific things like takeaways that they could you know obviously they're not gonna be certified but something they could use on a regular basis with their teams
1: yeah, absolutely. Number one, uh, sequence of engagement. that—that That is how to engage with a dysregulated player, dysregulated meaning someone that may be uh, frustrated, overly frustrated, uh, just seeing red, may, maybe a foul. Like, it, it happens all throughout the game, even you as a coach. Uh, but the sequence of engagement is three R's, regulate, relate, and reason. And basically what it is, is you want to, Uh, offer a type of physical safety to regulate, make sure the players are uh, able to calm down. Nobody's able to calm down by somebody telling them to calm down. So tactics uh, as far as regulating uh, is concerned. Then the relate, the second uh, step is you want to find something relatable, uh, a relatable statement, something to make the person that you're trying to calm down, get into a space that they're dealing with somebody that's with them, not against them. And then get to the reasoning point. And I think a lot of coaches always, like, we, we find ourselves in a reasoning space, uh, trying to logically speak to someone that's having an emotional, uh, that's in some type of emotional distress. And those two brains don't communicate at the same time. So generally, it's a, a wash, so to speak. But, you know, just regulate, relate, reason that those three R's and understand what those things. And one of the best ways to regulate is a pattern, repetitive, rhythmic movement. Believe it or not, that's like dribbling. Believe it or not, that's like shooting. So believe it or not, like some of the basketball things or some of the sports things that actually help regulate people, uh, are inherently in sport period. So like if we could make meaning of those things, uh, in certain spaces, then it would help us. And and we do that. We have zones in our practices for, uh, called regulation zones. And we learned this with the neuro-sequential model that uh, different skill building activities that a player could do if they are emotionally distressed. And if they need to go to the regulation zone because they've gotten overwhelmed, it's something that's a normal thing that you can go for up to five minutes, two, three, five minutes, uh, and then come back into the the space, and that helps keep the the people regulated, and it also helps the athletes understand what self regulation is. It puts that into their own hands, and then if they get enough practice, we're also recognizing I'm overwhelmed, and you know I need to go over here. And it's not a no questions asked thing; it's just very little questions asked. If you need to go, go. It's just there's a certain time. Let me come back. But th- what that also teaches them is they have 5 minutes to get it together and i always explain to my players that 5 minutes in a basketball game if it takes you 5 minutes to get your bearings straight uh in a basketball game that's a 10 point swing that could be a you know a, that could be the if you was down 5 now it's a 15 point game if you was up 5 now it's a 5 point game and now people start to get anxious and anxiety about that so i just feel as if the best way for coaches to just really just start to understand how the brain works and how we process things and that sequence of engagement is huge
0: right it is and it i i I think it's hard because you're walking in without a toolbox a lot of people are walking into a practice without that um i know when i was a 25 year old coach and i had some players that had problems that i didn't know how to deal with it i think that's the It's not that I didn't want to, it's just that I didn't have anything and I didn't know how to, because I never had that problem or weren't really around people that were having that self-regulation problem where I was, I was able to self-regulate pretty easily. So, um, I think that's the hard part is like, what, what's, what's the step with that, um, to kind of move forward, I think.
1: Yeah, and that's what we're working on now. Like, that's absolutely, even in terms of, like, the book that's coming out that's literally going to be about breaking down to give resources and tools to coaches for them to be able to say, hey, look, I know what this is. I can recognize it when it happens. And that's a huge thing to say, like, okay, most of the kids or most of the athletes that have a lot of these outbursts, generally, like, it's a high percentage of them that have had traumas. Right. Right. So or some, some some form of something going on in the household, some form of neglect, some form of they didn't get the proper developmental uh spaces and teachings and people around. them. And that's not saying that their parents didn't do things that they were supposed to do. There's just some things that's there that by by all means, like this beyond the scope of a coach's uh job to handle, but to be able to recognize those things and uh, be able to know certain tools and techniques to deal with them without ever having to be, uh, you know, certified in it. You don't have to be certified in a neurosequential model to apply some of these principles. Like you just need to understand the brain sciences. Hey, this is a dysregulated child. Uh, clearly it might not be me, but you might've triggered it. So I always say I have an acronym for it now. It's called a test. This is what everybody deals with in pretty much every relationship you have to do. Tests stands for traumas, emotions, stressors, and triggers. And so a trauma is just something that totally overwhelmed someone at some point in their life, right? Uh, The emotions, they go, there's a whole range of them. Stressors can exacerbate emotions, and then so can triggers. Triggers is something happening in the present that reminds you of a past trauma or stressor. And so when you face this test as a coach, as a player, as a, parent with anybody in any relationships. It's more about how you are able to handle these moments and that better able to decide whether this relationship is going to be a better relationship or does it get ruptured because of the text? Does it get ruptured because of the trauma or the emotions or outbursts or something like that? Because we don't necessarily know how to handle it. And it's not a blame thing. It's just the better we are able to understand and how to regulate people in those spaces, the better we get past those tests and actually dealing with people in a more reasoning space. And if you're right. dealing with too much emotion, there's not a lot of reason involved. And so again, those arguments usually go go over each other's heads because those two brains don't really communicate. They're not, it's state dependence, but without getting into that, it's just, they don't really communicate. The logical brain and the emotional brain, don't re- they're not really on the same page in the same moment.
0: And and so, what happens if someone wants to take it to another higher level? What can they the do? Term,
1: well, they can. You can learn about the neural sequential model through the neurosequential sequential model in sport. That's uh, there's a yearly cohort for that. It's uh, with Dr. Bruce Perry and the neural sequential model. It is. A, I can't tell you what the uh, URL for it is right now, but well, if you uh, send
0: it to me, I'll put it in the show notes because I'm sure someone will wanna. Yeah, I'll have you okay. do that. I'll have you send it to me at some point when we're done. But so, so when does that normally start, and how does that work?
1: It starts in February, ends in December. It's a monthly. Uh, it's generally a monthly didactic with Dr. Perry, and then uh, smaller groups. Uh, where you in the Zoom call with? multiple coaches from multiple different backgrounds like last year I was in one with a uh, a skateboarding coach and I had never could I could never see skateboarding as something that would help uh, kids with trauma but watching how that particular uh, program used skateboarding to apply these same neurosequential uh, principles to children who've been through some traumatic experiences and uh, that also helped them have better outcomes in school and just different things about how this model works throughout all sports. So I think it would be great for a basketball coach to get in there to just see how football players have to handle their moments that they need to handle with uh, their athletes and to see lacrosse players have to handle their moments because different parts of, the the game is when you're able to as a basketball coach, you got a 60 second timeout, you got a full timeout, you got a twenty second timeout. You have moments in that timeout where you can apply some of these principles and allow you to go out in a much more regulated team, much more regulated space, where they're able to retain the play that you just called in the huddle. Like all these things uh can really, really help a coach if they just had a good handle on it and then also understand how to uh better plan and prepare their players to kind of keep the regulation levels at a higher space
0: okay and so do you have other things you want to share with the with the audience i love that i love that i mean i spent so much time i mean i think i spent half a practice yesterday just kind of checking in checking that i mean that like it was a saturday but it was like i think it's so important. Is the it's just it's such an up-and-down process for them mentally and, um, you know, things going on in their lives that maybe other people don't know and, and how can I help and all those kind of things. What time is your practice generally, like, just to, as, a, as a question? Uh, So usually, so we have three different times. So we can either go after right. school or mm-hmm. we can go late. And if we go late, then I tend to have team meetings and things before practice. So if we're, like... Mm-hmm. So you a four to six, six to eight. So if it's a six right. o'clock practice, we won't go to eight, but we'll go, we'll have team meeting in my room. We'll talk about things like I think last week we were talking about what being coachable is, and we talked about other things. But anyway, um, and then we'll do some film session and then we'll just talk a little bit. Um, and then on Saturdays, um, it tends to be uh ooh, do, 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 probably um Usually it's 10 to 10 to noon, maybe in the early afternoon sometimes. But usually that's usually when our practices are. Um, but we'll play on a lot of Saturdays, so we won't have practices on okay. Saturdays.
1: Okay. Yeah. The, only, the reason I was asking, because when I when, when we really generally think about it, four o'clock, they've already been up eight hours. They've been to school. They've been through whatever happened at home, whatever happened in school, whatever teachers. And by the time they get to us, they're already dysregulated. You know what I'm saying, generally, and then so what we're uh what I started learning how to do was like figure out what I could do at the beginning of practice that was just regulated. That just would be so music helps. You can you know and just beats in the background. does not have to be any lyrics or anything. Just good beats per minute that they can kind of dribble to or shoot to. Just with not their own music. Right, having everybody on the same frequency whether and this is something you don't have to tell them you could just have good music in the background it's just nice little beat beat per minute and you could ramp the beats per minute up as you get into different parts of practice and that is a is a hack actually because generally music is a very very regulating thing if it's the right type of music and so like that'll generally help even if you wanted to start practice like that but that's another tip that i think is a cool one i love that i love that
0: i think you got to think about practice as, as a class it's a classroom too it's like how are you dealing with that classroom how are you regular like we usually have at the beginning of practice i don't know it depends on the time but um I, I try to get them to turn off their brains and we meditate a little bit we have some silence um just because you know they're go 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 you're right they're up since 6 30 they're on all the time. It's about how you look and how you act. All that stuff in high school is like, so it's magnified. And then I just want them to, all right, come back down a little bit. Let's decent. You know, this is supposed to be fun and desensitize it a little bit. Um, so I think that's something that I think is important kind of moving forward for them to, to shift gears per se. I think that's an important thing. No, yeah
1: we call them transitions in, in, uh, in the neural sequential model and the better able we are to like kind of plan how we do the transitions helps them regulate. So that could be a cue that could be like, you can blow your whistle three times and they could just signal a certain thing. And after a while that three times, three times blowing the whistle would kind of trigger their brains into knowing we're doing something next. You know what I'm saying? We already, already know how to respond to the whistle, but a specific whistle or a specific sound, a specific cue would start bringing this level of predictability into changes. And because they change a thousand times a day throughout subjects, uh, you know, classes, different people that they're talking to, different things of that nature. And generally those are very unpredictable. So the more predictable you can make your practices, the more predictable you can make your routines the better as it is for especially those that have a higher tendency to be dysregulated. So we're using those kids as the baseline. There's some kids that come in and do everything that they need to do. But if you ever have one of those kids, that just you <laughs> just can't put your finger on it. You can't figure out how to, this is that, and that. They're good. They're great. They, they they go hard for the team. This is that and third. But you can't quite. Generally, those are the ones that these things work for as well. So you kind of right. targeting that trouble player that you uh. You no, it's like change. in a class, you're
0: not targeting the, you're not, I mean, you, if you're been teaching long enough, you're not targeting the A plus student and you're probably, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're trying to gather, you're trying to bring those other ones up um, mm-hmm. and and figuring out how you can regulate. And yeah, kids like, kids like pattern at time too. They like continuity. They like those things. I think it makes them feel safer. I don't remember exactly where I read that, but there's something to be said for that. Definitely what would be one thing as we kind of wrap up here, what would be one thing that you'd want to share? Um, you know, we'll, we'll share the URL, like I said, but one thing you'd want to share um, or, you know, give to a, a coach that's listening to this about the mental health aspect and the, the, the regulating part.
1: Oh uh, yeah. I just, I think one of the things I just want to share is just people just get to know your players. I know it's not uh I'm not talking about like on a deep, intimate level, but on a authentic level, just know where they're from, like know what some things that they've been through, the question uh went from what's wrong with you to what's happened to you. Uh, Like if we can kind of unpack that there's a story behind something, if there's things I know we talk about motivation and why you want to be great at basketball, but just kind of get a feel for what a, where what the a kid is coming from, where the athlete is coming from and where they're trying to go. And I think that'll better help us communicate with our players and know how we need to communicate with different ones because we know it's not a one-size-fits-all type type situation. And as much as we would like to be that way, and ideally we'd like to be the same with every single player, it's just uh, it's not always realistic with some players. <laughs>
0: you, you can't. You, it's like you got to meet them where they are. That's the issue. That's what I always tell coaches. You got to meet them where they are. It's like same in the basketball. Like you're going to meet them where they are dribbling wise. You're going to do the same thing mentally. And, you know, and I think especially coming out of COVID with all this stuff going on, it's just it's such a big, you know, it's I think there's a lot more of this going on than there was four years ago or even the last time we talked
1: definitely uh and the last time we talked like kids were just getting back into it i don't even know if they was always getting back into it we were uh still mm-hmm. determining whether we were gonna have full seasons or how we was gonna go about um uh, different things at that that moment in time and so uh now that pretty much everybody's playing again those implications of what was going on in 2020 2021 and in even in the 2022 uh Yeah, those those things are still going to be coming up because there was a lot of isolation and a lot of things, a lot of uh, non-socialization, and that is very very hard for a lot of lot of people, especially ones that like feed off of the socialization aspect, and you know the relational. uh, We we grow from relationships, we grow from multitude of relationships, and that. I mean, it made us all get on Zoom a little bit more. I mean, I'm a, it Zoom completely changed my life after the pandemic and I right. never got on it before like that. And so uh I I appreciate it, but at the same time, like the actual social interaction, the face-to-face uh interactions, they suffer from that. And so coming back from that And they're still suffering. Uh, they're still suffering. Yeah. I'm telling
0: you. I mean, yeah. this is like so we didn't have a season in the 21-22 season. And last mm-hmm. year, 22-23, we played, but we got shut down like two or three times. Okay, So this has been our first real season. And I was telling a coach earlier this morning, it's like, this is the first time that it feels normal. This is the first time that connection has happened, both in my classroom and on the court. It's crazy. It took, it took two plus years easy for them to get. Mm-hmm. And they're still not 100% back. But they're closer. They're starting to act like kids again, like the stupid stuff. They, you know, they're just kids like they do. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes, yeah,
1: it's, t- it's taken a while, but uh, I'm I'm optimistic about what what we've found over the last couple of years, because everybody has also dealt with that same thing worldwide. And so like being able to collaborate with coaches across different uh. uh different sports and different parts of the world because this is a worldwide uh, certification. And like I've talked to coaches from South Africa, from Lebanon, New Zealand, Canada, Mexico. uh, And, you know, it's a worldwide thing. They're they're saying the same thing as in each respective sport because us as a whole, the whole human race had to deal with that particular situation and uh different countries and different places handled it differently, just like different states handled it differently. But at the same time, everybody was affected by it. And so the kids and the athletes as well. So like, you know, the normal routine of having preseason, regular season, you know, postseason, off season has been thrown off. The schedules have been thrown off. There's a lot of things that and those are that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what what were those were like minor inconveniences compared to some things that was going on in households and you know now it's the financial crisis so you know it's it keeps going but I, again i'm optimistic i really really i am too i i am, really, really I, am too. I, too.
0: I, I'm, I think we're going to come out of this um i do i really do all right thank you coach i'm going to have you leave all your contact information you're going to send it to me um and i'll leave it for the people listening so they can get in okay. touch with you okay yes sir all right thank you Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Um, If you'd like to support us, go over and check out teachups.com for coaches who want to get better. Also, subscribe and like. We do appreciate those.
1: Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.